This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with non-toxic medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, diaper rashes, and other types of skin damage. I discovered Active Skin Repair and their baby spray from my community when our daughter was a newborn and had constant diaper rashes, and it really helped and continues to help. Containing hypochlorous acid, which is an effective option for helping with yeast diaper rashes, we just spray or dab active skin repair onto the skin with a clean cloth or cotton ball let's sit for 15 seconds and then apply our balm or ointment of choice with over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and to get 20% off your order using code PEDSDOC that's p-e-d-s-d-o-c Welcome to Monday Mornings with Dr. Mona, where each week I answer your questions. Let's get to our first caller. Hi, Dr. Mona. I was wondering if you could ever talk about um, food therapy and trying to figure out if your kid is just a picky eater or has a texture problem or if it's something more serious like a tongue tie or um, if it has something to do with gag reflexes. Because right now we're trying to figure out with our kid what's going on and they don't think he has a tongue tie, but um, he doesn't want to eat and he gags a lot with textures. So I don't know if it's just a texture problem or a tongue issue. Thank you. This is a great question and I think it's a really important one to differentiate. To me, picky eating involves so many components but can be under two major categories. Is it more of a behavioral boundaries situation or is it more of a mechanical texture sensory situation? So one is developmental and one is behavioral. This is a huge difference. In behavioral, this has to do with preferences. You know, we all have preferences. And to combat this, we introduce safe foods with every meal. We reduce pressure at mealtimes. We have a routine, a schedule. We stop rewarding eating so we don't label foods as good or bad. You know, you eat your broccoli, you get dessert, you just present the food all together, and the child decides if they eat. You know, the mantra is you decide when and what, and they decide if and how much. So that has to do with more of the behavioral component. But I'll do more about picky eating in the future. The other is development. And this is huge and very important. So we have behavior and development. They're both interchangeable. But in development, I oftentimes have parents who come in who have been doing all the behavioral adjustments, right? They are doing all the routine and um, offering safe foods and nothing is really changing. So it's important that we also evaluate the developmental aspect, sensory aspect, can they swallow? Can they eat? How is the function in their mouth? Or is it that they're just choosing not to eat? Let's do an example. I had a situation where a child would not eat what mom gave at meals, but would eat Cheetos, cookies, etc., snack foods. So in this situation, I knew that the child can chew and swallow. They can do various textures, right? I mean, you have cookies, you have Cheetos, they could do yogurts, they could do many different things. But we needed to work on boundaries at mealtimes and snack times and the routine, the behavioral aspect of eating. On the other hand, I had an 18-month-old new patient, so I had never seen them before, who was only eating purees. You know, mom tried advancing and just said that the child gags uncontrollably. And this was concerning to me because the child's 18 months. I, one year, I want a child to be having more than just puree. 
Gagging is normal when we're starting off solid. So just say you do baby led weaning at six, six and a half months, or if you do puree and then transition to more textured foods around eight, nine months, you can see some gagging happening when they're doing textures. But at 18 months, if they're still gagging, there's one of two things happening here for me. Is it that we waited too long? to start more textured foods and the child is just not tolerating it, you know? So kind of what we're seeing what we're, we should be seeing early on when we start more textured foods, but we're seeing it for an 18 month old. So if you can imagine that the child has had almost a year, right? From the time we would have started more textured food, let's just say six and a half, seven months, if you do baby led weaning to 18 months, one year of eating food and only eating puree, it's going to be hard to teach them new tricks, right? To um, to teach them how to eat more textured foods. So is it that we waited too long or is it that the child has a mechanical developmental issue making it hard to tolerate textures? Do they need a swallowing evaluation? Can they swallow? Can they chew? Eating is so much more than just putting food in your mouth. It's how do you get that food from your tongue to the back of your throat? So it's important to differentiate. Is it development or is it behavioral? Now, tongue ties can go into that mechanical developmental category, but before releasing a tongue tie, I think it's important to get a specialist evaluation. And in this case for feeding, it's getting a feeding therapist evaluation. Why is that I do think that many people are quick to release tongue ties, lip ties without doing the full evaluation from a specialist. Example would be if you have an issue with breastfeeding, you would talk to a lactation consultant, see if you can maximize techniques and holds. If you have an issue with speech and a tongue tie, you would talk to a speech therapist, maximize all the therapies with speech before saying that it's the tongue tie. Same thing goes with feeding therapy. If we are concerned of that texture issue, that mechanical developmental issue, a lot of gagging issues with that, I think it's great to see a feeding therapist. If you know your child can swallow everything, chew everything, right? You know that they can eat certain foods and different textures and all that. You don't necessarily need a feeding therapist, but hey, can I be honest? It's not going to hurt either way because if anything, the feeding therapist is going to guide you with picky eating. The feeding therapist can guide you with mechanical issues and evaluate for that. My personal recommendation is if a child is not tolerating textures besides purees by one year, I would want a evaluation. I am very, very conservative about this, right? The reason is, is I look at feeding as a milestone. Like we talk about rolling, like we talk about speaking and we can miss a big opportunity for introducing food and also creating food aversions. I talk about that 18 month old, that child had a food aversion, meaning they never got introduced it. You know, they were only eating puree and it ended up being a a food aversion. And that's something a feeding therapist can help with. So I think it's important to remember this. I also think that feeding is a source of a lot of stress for families and a feeding therapist can help this process. If a child is not advancing textures after one year, I think, you know, a lot of times parents are like concerned, well, should I see one? Do I need to see one? If you're even asking yourself a question and you're concerned, it is not going to hurt. It will never hurt to get a second opinion. It will never hurt to get educated. It will never hurt for a specialist to look at your child more is my opinion. Now, if they say something that's outlandish and you're like, I don't agree with it, always speak to your child's clinician because they do know you from you know the time your child was born. But this is my advice because I don't want us to miss an opportunity if a parent is concerned. 
warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep No Mess meals. Chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from each week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. I absolutely love the spicy jalapeno lime cheddar chicken and mushroom chicken thighs with wild rice. Keep kitchen time to a minimum with factor meals because they're ready in two minutes. No shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleanup. I work from home and love the convenience and how delicious factor meals are. Head to factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 and use code peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code peedsdoctalk50 at factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. As a pediatrician, mom, and podcaster, I want to share with you a podcast I recently discovered. It's called Understood Explains, and this season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I listened to an episode called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 plans, and I learned so much that I honestly didn't know before. I now feel I can better explain these to my patients and their families and better support them in their neurodiversity journey. Navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences can be confusing, and this podcast helps to validate these struggles and provide actionable tips that are useful for parents, teachers, and clinicians. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood explains. Becoming a new mom does not come with a manual, but I'm trying to get as close to it as possible. Are you expecting a baby or know somebody who is? Make sure to grab my first year course, The New Mom Survival Guide. The on-demand course contains modules covering parenting in the first year, newborn feeding like breast and formula feeding, newborn sleep and infant sleep, introduction of solids, safety, baby care how-tos, developmental milestones, teething, and so much more. With videos and printables, you will feel supported through the first year. The course also has a roadmap that takes you through what to expect visit by visit so you can feel more confident and calm in the choices that you make and the stages that you'll go through during your baby's first year. By purchasing, you also get access to our Facebook community to troubleshoot issues or concerns. It also makes a great gift that can support a new mom through her motherhood journey. Check out the New Mom Survival Guide by visiting pedsdoctalk.com and searching our popular courses. Let's get to our next caller. Hi, Dr. Mona. Um, I really appreciate everything you post. Um, I learned so much. Uh, Thank you so much. Um, I have a daughter, she's two and a half years old, um, and uh, actually we are planning to send her to Montessori school next week. Uh, no, Actually, she's been taken care of uh, either me or my husband or her grandma, so uh, this is the first time um, someone else is going to take care of her. So uh, we are, all of us are a little bit nervous. I need your tips how to like keep her calm, how to get her ready to ready for school, uh, without throwing, like, you know, with, uh, like, just to give her more, like, confidence how to move with the changes. Um, 
please give me all the tips you have. Like, uh, thank you so much. Bye. Congratulations on your child starting school. I think school is such a great thing, um, especially after two years. You know, I like it after 18 months, but two years and up, it's a great time for children to be around other children and learn from teachers and learn from their peers. So congratulations. This is going to be a great step. Now, remember that everything new is scary. Anything that we do. Um, any time of our life. It's going to be scary and different and new. And it's not always going to be fun to start out with, but it's not harmful what we're doing here, right? You are sending your child to school. This is something very good for her. I think we often get worried that our kids are upset with a new situation when if we look at the actual situation we're putting them through, it's not harmful. It's not going to hurt them. It's actually going to benefit them. So we want to stay patient with it when it's something obviously for their own benefit, but also understand that they may take some time to adjust. So a few things when we're preparing our children for new experiences, it involves a few main principles. One is prep. If they are older than two, I think this is important from a developmental standpoint. You can do it younger too, but definitely after two, the child brain changes and we want to prepare them as much as we can with some reasonable expectations. Number two is patience and understanding that every child is different in how they warm up to new situations. Number three is consistency. And number four is persistence with some flexibility, of course. And I'll get into all of these. In terms of prep, here are some tips. I want you to try to build a similar routine in your day at home. You can wake up at the similar time that you would for drop-off. You can practice getting ready. You can set up a player in your home. If you're able to, you can even go visit the school. I don't know if they'll allow that, um, but you can just go drive to the school, visit it, just do even like a 10-minute session just to walk around the school and see it. When you're home, lunchtime around the same time, nap time around the same time, try as much as possible, but don't worry if it's not feasible with your schedule. This is just a suggestion if your child is a little more slow to warm with this type of um, new situations. If you go visit the school, obviously you have to clear this because we still are in the pandemic at the time of this recording. But another option is starting with half days. So just say your eventual plan is to do five full days. Maybe start with doing three half days. See how that goes. After that, you can go up to four half days, five half days, and then finally go to full days. You can do this slow transition. I sometimes find that this can really help some toddlers. So it's really up to what works for your your child. Remember, every child is different. Some kids will have no issue adjusting. Some will take a little more time and all of it is normal. So just be patient with yourself. The other big thing is be consistent with the drop-off and pickup, right? You can discuss the routine with her, but stick to it. So if you say, you know, mommy's going to drop you off and then I'm going to go, you don't want to promise something you're not going to do. So if you say, I'm going to leave and then you linger around for 20, 30 minutes, that's not you know, following through. You want to be very consistent and you also don't want to linger. You don't want to make the goodbyes drawn out. People think that that's going to help them, but it actually doesn't because you want to make it that this is our routine. This is what we're doing. I'm going to leave, but I'm going to come back. Remember separation anxiety is healthy. It's normal, but we want to be very firm. We don't want to sneak out. We want them to see us leave and also understand that we're going to come back. The other really big thing is be very aware of your body language and how you are feeling. I will always say this like a broken record, but children are extremely empathetic. They feel our energy without us speaking, especially if you're a mom. There is some uncanny ability for a child to feel super connected to their mother in terms of understanding how she's feeling and even just by looking at you. So if you're tense, they can sense it. And I kind of explain it like a snowball effect, right? They're already nervous. They feel your nerves and it just adds to that snowball and that snowball builds and builds and builds. So 
they're nervous. It's okay for them to be nervous. It's okay for you to be nervous, but it's really trying hard to tell yourself, Hey, this is normal for her, for me, for all of us. And we are going to get through it. And I'm going to try my hardest to control how I'm laying off my energy in front of my daughter. It doesn't mean that you have to be fake or not, you know, always strong, but it's really about those drop off and pick up moments. I love you. I see this is really hard. An example that I do is that my son, Ryan was not a fan of swim class and I have to drop him into the pool with the instructor and and walk away. He cried and cried and cried. I didn't linger. I didn't say anything different. I said, I love you, Ryan. You're doing amazing. And I walked away. Of course, it didn't make me feel good that he's crying, but he adapts. They adapt and they'll adapt more quicker if we are patient with them and also don't linger. Remember, patience is key. Every child is different in how they warm up. Talk to the school about what they're seeing, if there are any concerns. Consistency is also very important. So a similar routine, if we can do it right, you're dropping off, picking up around the same time. Try. It may not always happen with our work schedule, and that's perfectly fine. We try our best. Persistence has to do with, I don't want you to stop sending them to school because you don't like how they're feeling and you think that that's a bad thing, right? We want them to be understanding that this is our new routine and we're going to get through it. So don't stop sending them. It's important to be aware of their feelings and verbalize. I see that you're upset and we're going to try again tomorrow. I see that you're happy to see me. I'm so happy to see you. What do you want for dinner? Give them two choices. I see that you're sad. I see that you're angry. It's okay to be sad. And mommy or daddy or grandma, whoever's picking them up, will see you after nap time. Remember to explain to them time is after an activity and not a time frame, right? So don't say I'll be back at four o'clock. Say I'll be back after nap time. I'll be back after story time or whatever you can label because kids don't understand time. My biggest tip is check your emotions. As a toddler mom, I know this firsthand. I know how much my emotions and my well-being and how what I'm bringing off is affecting Ryan. If he gets upset, he's entitled to be upset because we all have emotions. But if I'm upset too, it adds fuel to the fire or it adds snow to that snowball. Any other follow-up questions, let me know. I would love to hear how she's doing. So if you want, you can call me again. Thank you for tuning in today. If you find this series helpful or any of my content helpful, please make sure to share it on your social media channel because that is how other people can find this resource. So thank you so much for joining us and I will talk to you next week. You made it halfway through an episode, so you must be loving the show. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel where I share answers to all of the common topics submitted to me regarding child health, development, and debunking all that misinformation you hear online. My goal is for PDT to be a one-stop shop for your searching needs. Bye-bye late-night Googling. So make sure to go to YouTube and search Peds Doc Talk TV. Hit that subscribe button and binge-watch all the amazing episodes and episodes to come. Have suggestions for future videos? Make sure to chat in the community section on my YouTube channel.